Uh, now we turn our focus as a church to Advent. As you've heard me say before, and probably will hear me say every year, Advent isn't the Christmas season. That's, in the church at least, the 12 days following Christmas. Rather, Advent is a season of holy waiting. We await the once and future coming of our Lord in a manger in Bethlehem, but also his return in glory. These four weeks of Advent prepare us to receive the Christ yet again. Our journey to Bethlehem is a familiar one. And this year for our series, I'd like for us to think of it as if we were on a road trip to a familiar place. A trip that you've had to make a number of times. One you know so well that you know where you are based on what landmarks you're driving past. Many of us traveled this past weekend for Thanksgiving to see family and friends, and I'm guessing for most of you it was a familiar trip. You knew where the best stops were along the way or what signs or landmarks would tell you you're on the right path. This Advent, we're on the road again to Bethlehem. Along the way, the prophet Isaiah, among others, will help us see some familiar landmarks that remind us that we're on the right path and that the day of God's eternal word becoming flesh is drawing near. But even more so, this trip, this familiar road trip, will help us think about how we are called to prepare and live into this Advent hope here and now. This morning, we'll explore how our journey begins. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the second chapter of Isaiah, beginning with the first verse. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, in the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate between the, uh, for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. In my first year here in Warrington, I received a very special invitation in the mail. I was invited to the Credo program for pastors in the Presbyterian Church. Credo is a program of spiritual, vocational, and personal development for pastors that's put on and funded by our, our uh, denomination's board of pensions. Its reputation is flawless for being a wonderful experience of Sabbath and renewal for pastors. You essentially get to go to a retreat center for a week and be spoiled by our denomination as you spend time in prayer, fellowship, and reflection. It was a wonderful experience for me. I'm still utilizing many of the insights I gained during that time. The only problem with this program is that it's by invitation only. See, there's only so much funding for it and only so many spots that they can fund each year, so pastors await their invitation in the mail that, to come at random 
Uh, so you, you're only able to go if you get the invitation that one time. So for pastors, waiting for that invitation, is, it's like getting our uh, admission to Hogwarts letter. Um, we, we all await and get really excited when it comes. It doesn't come by bird or anything, like, uh, um, but we get excited for it. In our reading today, we receive an exciting invitation. The prophet Isaiah addresses Judah in its city, Jerusalem. The timing of this text is a little tricky to place, and scholars debate about it because some of these verses from Isaiah appear almost verbatim in Micah, so it's not really clear who wrote it first or what the circumstance was uh, to, uh, for the prophet to speak these words. To me, though, rather than wrestle with that too much, to me, this understanding makes Isaiah's prophecy here timeless. So often when we read from a prophet, we see a vision that's shared with a particular community for a particular reason. But this invitation isn't given just once, it's given multiple times in Scripture, which shows us that this is an invitation for all time and an invitation for everyone. Here through the prophet, we're invited to God's holy mountain of Zion, Jerusalem is tall, it's is a, is a big hill to be sure, but it wasn't even the biggest hill in the vicinity. So this is a theological statement the prophet's making rather than a geological one. In Jewish theology, you always go up to Jerusalem. It doesn't matter if you're coming from Mount Everest, you're going up to Jerusalem from there. And this invitation is not just for the people of Israel, but the prophet tells us that God is gathering all nations together on this holy mountain. People will come from east and west, north and south, to be gathered together in God's presence. What we see is a beautiful glimpse of God's kingdom. Instead of clashing with one another, nations are brought together. Instead of remaining divided, all go up together to receive instruction and walk together in the path of God. They'll beat their swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. Weapons of war, violence, and death are turned into instruments that provide nourishment, life, and community. The invitation has been extended beyond the boundaries of Israel and Judah to include all of God's children, and all are invited to share in this great hope. The only issue with this invitation, though, is that it's future tense. It's coming, but it's not here yet. In our text, it's a, God says, in days to come. In our text, the prophet says, people will gather on my holy mountain. They will beat their swords into plowshares and so on. God promises us that it's coming, and that it's underway even, but that it's not fully here. Not yet, at least. Marie and I celebrated 10 years of marriage last summer, and this past week, I thought about some of the months that went in, uh, of planning that went into that big day. One piece of the planning that we were really excited about was our reception venue, a new vineyard uh, being built and started in Harrisonburg. The only problem was that it was so new that it was still being built. We booked our reception there as the building was still under construction. Our wedding invitations went out and we still weren't sure all the pieces were in the right place and so on. 
And as the day of our wedding drew closer, we dropped by every time we could to see if it was finished yet, which thankfully it was uh, in plenty of time for the wedding. On any trip we take, friends, there is some kind of catalyst for why we're embarking on the journey in the first place. Sometimes it's an invitation from a friend or family member to come and visit. Our invitation today, though, is a little different. This invitation has been made, to be sure, but the event, the reality to which we have been invited, is pending. Or more fitting with our road trip theme, it's as if we've seen a billboard announcing that God's kingdom on God's holy mountain is coming soon and is currently under construction. Because of that, we live in this time of already, but not yet. Living in such a time is difficult. We know we've been invited to God's holy mountain, yet on a daily basis we're reminded that people are still divided from one another. War and violence are still a mainstay in our world. As Advent Christians, we start this journey knowing we've been invited, but also knowing that the construction's still ongoing. This is what Advent hope looks like. And friends, it's really what Advent's all about. The word Advent comes from the Latin word adventus, which means coming. One scholar put it best when he said that Advent is about celebrating Christ's threefold coming in history, mystery, and majesty. Each year we look back to the hope of Israel's Messiah and Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. That's the history part. But we also think about the present and Christ coming into our lives and our world here and now in mystery and wonder. Finally, though, we look ahead to Christ's return in majesty, the day when God's kingdom will be complete, the day when the weapons of death are turned into instruments of life, just as the prophet told us. Isaiah's words to us today and moving forward help us to reflect on all three comings of the Christ in history, mystery, and majesty. Just as the prophecy is timeless, so is the invitation to God's holy mountain as we await the past, present, and future advent of Christ. The history coming of Christ, the original advent of Christ, has set God's invitation into motion. His birth, life, death, and resurrection. And one day when Christ returns, this invitation will be complete when all are gathered together in God's kingdom, where Christ reigns eternally. So friends, the question we ask ourselves is, how do we travel on? Our reading this morning gives us some good words for this. It ends with a charge, saying, O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. In a few weeks on Christmas Eve, we'll hear Isaiah's words uh, later in his prophecy. What does it say? The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. In this time of year when the sun sets early and rises late in a dark, gloomy, rainy day like today, we hear these words from the prophet, Come, walk in the light. In a time when division and violence darken our world, what does the prophet call us to do? Come, let us walk in the light. Come, live like you've been invited, because you have. 
Live like a people who are grounded in the hope of God. Isaiah's words call us to live into this invitation here and now. The prophet calls us to live as if we're on our way to God's holy mountain. God calls us right now to come together and end division, to seek an end to violence and warfare, to work for justice and peace in our world. Old Testament scholar Jim Lindbergh once said that the sound of Christmas might be jingle bells ringing their pretty melody. The sound of Advent, on the other hand, he says is the loud and brash clanging of swords being beaten into farming equipment. Imagine with me for a second just how awful that would sound. Apparently, Lindbergh did this once in a sermon by borrowing an anvil from a local blacksmith. Despite how awful this sounds, he says that this is the song we should be longing for in our journey to Bethlehem. This is the song of peace and unity. This is the beautiful song of God's kingdom coming forth on earth. Perhaps imagining such a loud, clanging sound can help us live this way. The way of light, the way of peace and unity. Here and now as we move along our way. Friends, the road to Bethlehem is a familiar one. Thanks to Christ's light, we've seen the path and we know the way. As we continue on our journey to Bethlehem, we'll continue to see landmarks and signs to remind us that we're on the right path. But today's invitation encourages us to live in Advent hope, to embrace and await Christ's arrival in history, mystery, and majesty. Friends, may we live as people who have received this invitation. May we live as people who seek to live into this hope. And may we stay on this path, even when we're going through life's valleys, even in hardship, pain, and loss, because, friends, we know where this path will lead us, to the manger and to God's holy mountain of peace, love, and light. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Amen.